Welcome to the debate at Newsweek. I'm Andrew Tallman. Today we're going to be talking about the gifts or allegations of gifts or whatever when it comes to Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, Bud Light and Dylan Mulvaney, and the expulsion and renewal of the terms for a couple of Tennessee legislators. Joining us today, we've got Ellis Hennigan, Pulitzer Prize winning author and a frequent contributor to the debate, and apparently his now permanent debate partner, Mark Davis, who is a syndicated host of the Mark Davis Show and also a frequent contributor to the debate. Alice and Mark, welcome back to the debate. Great to be Hey, good to be with you, man. Nice to be here. Good to have you. So uh, ProPublica comes out with what they called a, sort of an expose, you know, revealing details about uh, trips on yachts and retreats at all boys clubs and lavish dinners and things like this from Dallas billionaire Harlan Crow to Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas that went unreported. And they say it's a big deal. Democrats on the Judiciary Committee say it's a big deal. There's been some discussion about whether it is such a big deal. Let's start with you. Ellis, what's your reaction to this story? Well, listen, it is emblematic of, of, of a very, very big deal. First of all, it's, it's nice to be with you guys. Do you mind a little pleasantry up front? Oh, it's, uh, good, for, it's good for me. Andrew, nice uh, to see you. And Mark, uh, anytime I'm in Dallas and I'm cruising along the uh, Lyndon Johnson freeway at 7 in the morning, I've always got 660 The Answer on there listening to Davis. Wow, yell at me. look so, at the homework Nice there. to Thank see you, you, my friend. Thank you. I feel like a request is coming, Ellis. Am I uh, being too <laughs> no, cautious? Yeah, I just, we're, we're being what do you need? Up. We're being softened up. <laughs> Listen, I'm hanging out with a Texas guy and a Florida guy. I know you're supposed to be polite in those states. So even though I live in New York, I want you to see that I've got some moves here. <laughs> Uh, um, listen, listen, the, the, the court's a mess, and this is this is completely uh, symbolic and emblematic of it. Uh, the Supreme Court, which was supposed to be the great neutral arbiter, the wise people uh, interpreting the law from on high, is now just turned into another political committee. And it, it just depends on who's got the votes. And uh, part of the reason is that the kind of people who have been appointed lately are just political animals who are on one team or the other team. They don't care what the law says. They know what team they're on. And nobody is worse at that than Clarence Thomas and his uh, billionaire vacation pal who keeps lavishing him and his uh, wife with all these fancy vacations. It sucks. It's stinky. Everybody understands. It's a horrible situation. Okay, I, I got to push back. Okay, Ellis, I, I read the Supreme Court opinions. I listen to the oral arguments. I certainly agree that there's lean on these justices. But to say that they're nothing but political hacks, nothing but political animals, that there's no real care about that. Do you really believe that? All right. I, I will concede nothing, maybe slightly strong. But listen, you think it's by accident that all these decisions keep coming out five, four uh, these days on the conservative side and now six, three, because they've got the, ju- the the votes. Listen, you take it back to Bush v. Gore when for no rational philosophical reason, those guys decided for political reasons to hand the presidency to the guy on their team. And we've been living with the results of that ever since. And, you know, that stinks, don't you, Andrew? Well, I didn't I wasn't particularly fond of that decision, but I don't agree that it's just pure politics for them. I yeah, again, having I read a lot of the opinions and I've listened to a lot of the or I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a nerd. I listen to the oral arguments. I think mostly these are sincere, smart people who I respect and take at their word when they say they're trying to understand the law. I don't I mean, they may be self-deceived. We are, we, are, we are all to a degree, but the notion that they're, you know, they could just as easily be working on the opinion desk at MSNBC or Fox News. I, I don't buy that analysis. But, Mark, what do you think of this story, at least when it comes to the reporting of these gifts, favors, whatever you want to call them? 
As my entrance ramp, I'll explain that the Supreme Court found as it did in Bush v. Gore because the Florida Supreme Court made election law from the bench, which is unconstitutional. Having provided that service, let's now get to Clarence Thomas and the current, uh, the current flap. Uh, in, in a vacuum, in, in an objective vacuum, there's a question of whether or not a justice, any justice, gets to have rich friends. Uh, if that's a no, then okay, then there is stigma around all of this, as there would be if Elena Kagan were to uh, enjoy similar largesse from George Soros. I, this is my consistency test. I think justices get to have friends, and I don't pretend that they are ruling because of what their rich friends believe. Clarence Thomas is a constitutionalist. He is friends with Harlan Crow. There's nothing mysterious about that. Uh, to to complete my illustration there, if I were to learn that Elena Kagan or Sonia Sotomayor uh, were to be uh, enjoying the largesse of a resort owned by George Soros, I wouldn't care at all because I would figure it was just hanging with the like-minded. Now, if there's any evidence that any justice is discussing cases with the rich friend or the rich friend is trying to lobby the justice to bring about a desired result, that would be another matter. But there is no reason, none, to believe that that happened here. Well, to take Ellis's uh, kind of perspective for just a second, shouldn't he at least have disclosed? I mean, it's one thing if, you know, your friends take you out for dinner at the Outback. Okay, fine. You know, whatever. But when you're getting this level of generosity from your extraordinarily rich friend, whether there's any influence being peddled or not, doesn't it sort of seem like the kind of thing you should tell people? Therefore, they can judge whether they think there's influence happening or not. There are rules for this, and they appear to be vague, and they should probably be bolstered. Justice Thomas said, you know, I asked around. They didn't say this was anything I needed to report, so I didn't report it. Now, if that stinks to high heaven, which it may, especially with those who despise him, then I, I will gladly join a reasonable retroactive group that says, all other things being equal, maybe we should have reported that. Um, moving forward, he says he will. If this is a lesson learned, then great for everybody. Um, I'll, I'll leave it to, I'll, let's see what Ellis's thought is on that. Ellis, it seems to me like a pretty, it's a pretty weak sauce system when your method of checking your ethical obligations for reporting of gifts and donations is, well, you know, I asked some buddies on the court and, um, you know, there's no record of this, but they says no big deal. So I just went ahead like that. that that's, that's not generally how we do things in any other area. Right. And this is more to, to stick with your analogy, more than ordering dessert at Outback. I mean, this, this is something that, that I, the estimates I saw have it up on the hundreds. Oh, no, that's what I was saying. I was saying if it was if that's all it was, then who cares? But this is certainly not that. But here's, the, here's the problem. It just doesn't pass the smell test. First of all, I mean, I wasn't at that uh, whatever they do in those retreats. I wasn't there. So I don't really know. But it's, it's implausible. That after many, many, many such vacations, that they're never talking about anything related to the court. Harlan, your buddy there, is one of the major donors to all these Supreme Court causes. He's been a funder of uh, of Mrs. Thomas's political activities up in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. You mean they never talk about any of these things? That's just, I don't think most people believe that. And I, and Look, the Bohemian Grove says you're not allowed to talk business, and therefore, when everybody's hanging yeah, right. out in private with no journalists or cameras around, yeah. there's no talking to business, Ellis. I mean, come on. Why can't you trust the secret society? 
I don't believe it because I'm a human being. Andrew, if you and I got onto an airplane together and spent a week together, somewhere along the line, politics or radio would come up. I'm sure it would. Is that but a look, promise or a threat? I'm not sure. <laughs> here's, here's the other test. Here's the other test. If you guys were so right about this, and these are just high-minded, philosophical individuals reasoning in a dispassionate way uh, in pursuit of the Constitution, if you all really believe that, we wouldn't have all these cases lining up exactly like they do. Five, four, five, four, five. Why not? And nobody and nobody's why, ever why, why, the four why is why never the a five not? and the five is never a four. But that's called people going to their respective natural habitats. And I you totally like expect uh, at I the moment that. I do. Well, and I, I wonder, and I, but I wonder if maybe that's because the court doesn't swing your way now for no. once. I had to take it like a man, if I can even be allowed to say that anymore. We permit it, it like a, an enlightened human being uh, when the court was not swinging my way. If I are there a majority liberal court, I would expect majority liberal rulings from an activist judiciary. It's a conservative, which is to say constitutionalist court now. So to suggest that there is mystery in, in Clarence Thomas or Samuel Alito uh, or even the occasional John Roberts or Kavanaugh or, or Amy Coney Barrett ruling according to what their hearts and minds tell them to do. This is a mystery. I can't imagine why. No, well, it's, is, my, um, it, Mark, it's not their hearts and minds. It's their prejudices and bigotries. And, and how you do know, you know? What, 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 no, what kind because of I, mind reading? What I kind see. of mind reading do you have? And, and, and yet, so in Roe v. Wade, though that decision was absolutely pure as the driven snow. That wasn't justices no. bending to, to, to their whims and their societal beliefs. Only when the conservatives rule constitutionally, then it's got to be shallow, craven politics. Come on. Complete, a, a complete. Complete misread. My first is Roe v. Wade, which I'm glad you cite, is a wonderful example of judges going outside of their party, outside of their boxes. I mean, that was a that was not a decision that fell along party lines. It, it was it was quite the opposite. It seems to me that you guys have given up on the the wonderful philosophy that I grew up with about the Supreme Court, which is that it's above politics. It's the great legal minds reflecting on the Constitution. That's a lot of crap. What it is now, it's just another no. congressional committee. Well, I, I have not given up. That's, that's why so I said in the beginning, that. I think no, that, you know, when I when I listen to the oral arguments and when I read the opinions, what I find is very sharp people doing their very diligent best to understand the issues and then coming to reasons that people might disagree with. I've disagreed with the court's reasoning for a long time, but I don't impugn the motives of Elena Kagan or Breyer when he was on the court or Ginsburg or any, any, you know, I just don't see it their way, but I don't think that they're not trying to be honest about what they think the law should be. But I want to, want to get back to this particular question, because one of the things that I found problematic, particularly in the ProPublica report is they went out of their way to not mention that the personal gifts, which I think we all probably agree that sizable gifts of any kind ought to be reported in some sense, whether they had to be or not, they ought to be. It's better if, but they didn't have to be. And ProPublica doesn't mention this in the report. It's only a month ago that they added those rules for federal judges. And so the reporting that didn't happen wasn't a violation of any official rule. We can agree about that, right, Ellis? I don't know. I think there's some some debate about. I'm not sure I'm ready to sign on to that. Okay. The, the the report was extremely thorough in explaining what the rules were and not. The, the report did exactly what you say you want, which is just lay it out there and let the people decide. 
I, th- I, didn't, I don't I, disagree. I, I think it's a good. I think it's a pretty good piece of journalism. And this sounds kind of Clinton-esque in what you were setting up, Andrew. But it kind of depends on what the meaning of gift is. And here's what <laughs> I mean by that: I have received gifts. We all have. We have also enjoyed hospitality. They are different. I I don't feel that if a friend of mine invites me somewhere that they own that that's like them giving me a Rolex. Now I don't have friends who own multi-billion-dollar resorts, but it doesn't change the meaning of the word. I mean, is this a gift or is this, as I think Justice Thomas and those taking his side have said, uh, that enjoying hospitality from people you've been friends with for a quarter century is not like getting a, a fifty thousand dollar crystal vase. You know, and it's quest- worse than that. It's worse than Why? that because, because in Why? this case, no, no, no. In this case, he didn't stop with the with the half a million dollar vacations. For instance, I, I believe the figure, and I don't have the piece in front of me, so I'm, I'm going from memory. That's but fine. I believe that he also gave, and maybe it's five hundred thousand dollars to an organization that that Mrs. Thomas is running to try and promote an insurrection or whatever the heck she's doing over there as this uh, as this aggressive (laughs) political animal. The money is coming from the same guy. That's a political. That's got to give you the willies. That's only the only reason it gives you the willies is because it's on the side that you're not on. Would you be this repelled? Would you be this enervated if if this were uh, Sonia Sotomayor? And George. Yes. Well, we have we have yes, a classic. Okay. We have we have I kind of a famous example are. with with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, right? Okay, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, not in the donation sense, but she officiated a gay marriage before the Obergefell decision. Is that something that she should have not done that's, because she was so clearly com- on one side of the issue? That's different. That's, I'm, and I'm, and that's, that's fine. Go ahead. But, but, but why? Let me tell you where I agree with you. Let me tell you why I agree with you. Which is that it, it is you do have to have a, a, a uniform standard here. It, it's, it is not correct to do as Mark is falsely accusing me of doing, which is having a, a, a some kind of a one sided standard. But he, here's what mm. here's what I want to here's my plea to both of you. Don't give up on the idea of the court being impartial, wise men arbitrating the great issues of our time. Don't sell out to the idea that it ought to just be another political meaning, because once you do that, then you've lost the majesty of the court, haven't you? Ellis, this is really, really vital. Not only have I not given up on that ideal, I believe that ideal is being practiced before our eyes now, that these conservative rulings are because we have constitutionalists in the majority, not because they are political hacks, not because they're receiving marching orders from Harlan Crow, but because this is what they believe. And the only reason, Ellis, that it strikes you as something horribly corrupt is the rulings are not going your way. Well, Ellis was the one to start with the premise that they are political hacks. I don't think they are. And I also agree with you, Ellis. I don't want them to be. I don't want people on the court who are going to rule a conservative way or a liberal way. I want people on the court who are going to genuinely dig into the law, try and figure out what the law says and if it comes to a ruling that they disagree with the outcome of, they're going to write the ruling the way the law says. That's what I want. The difference, I think, between get, you and me is I, I actually believe that we have that uh, more so than it seems. Let me give you two 30 seconds apiece uh, on things that we've already talked about, a, a test, an example of exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, one is about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Should she, is there something horribly, is there some horrible disconnect? between her officiating at a gay wedding and being able to rule rule on Obergefell. No, 
because it is the job of a justice to rule on what the Constitution says, and you still get to have your own life and your own politics. So that's going to be, you know, there are people who say, well, she ruled, officiated a gay marriage. She obviously has her side. She has the way she seeks to live her life that is not necessarily fused to the rulings, and that doesn't make her corrupt. Now, the flip side of that coin is, for decades, I have said, I don't want Roe v. Wade overturned because I am conservative. I don't want Roe v. Wade overturned because I am pro-life. It is not the court's job to do my political bidding. I wanted Roe v. Wade overturned because it is unconstitutional. And factually, there is no right to abortion in the Constitution. Agreed so on both. Practice. It's the very practice of what Ellis is talking about, removing politics and looking only at the Constitution. Ellis, I am curious, uh, in your picture of the court, is it acceptable for people to be members of the court who have very strong ethical or religious or political views. And do you think it's possible for people with those kinds of views to still do a good job of being a Supreme court justice, according to the sort of ideal that you espouse that I agree with that I want to see happen. Of course it's possible. You, you, you take them and you put them in a box and you go do your job. You say, I have my personal beliefs, but that's not how I rule as a justice. I'm guided by the law and not by, by uh, a polemic and ideological team membership, and, and my argument is that, is that that's what that, that's what they're doing. I think you guys are naive. At the very you? least, you must be great believers in coincidence that decision after decision just keeps lining up along the same political. Well, lines. the majority of Supreme Court decisions are unanimous. Majority. The, the, the few, the few that are controversial God. in this way do often, but not always, line up that way. But you uh, pretty, see, pretty if you much, see, much of the time. if you pretty see the law the through a certain lens as a um, constitutional originalist, you're likely to see that these outcomes are more compatible mm-hmm. with interpreting the law. So I don't think it's necessarily that they are, you know, political conservatives. It's that they're more documentary originalists. That's that's more what I see mm-hmm. as the issue, which is, by the way, yep. if if this if this helps you at all, uh, Katanji Brown Jackson I I'm thrilled with her performance on the court. She is exactly what she said she was going to be. In fact, when she gets up there, she is looking at the text, the meaning, the history. She makes arguments from that perspective, even though she comes out more on the three side of the six threes. She's looking at it that way and talking about it that way. She just sees, you know, she looks at different slices of the text. So uh, I think she's actually honoring this extremely well. And she makes reasoned arguments to her conservative justices on the court. Like, well, here's what the text really means. And you ought to take that seriously. So I think they're doing the job that same way. Last thoughts. If there were a reform in this area, Ellis, what would your proposal for reform be? Well, at the very least, we ought to know what kind of bribery these guys are taking, shouldn't we? Wow. <laughs> and yet, if you take <laughs> Always away diplomatic, the, Ellis. I love if it. You, if you take away the incendiary language, I'm prepared to agree with Ellis completely. I think if there's a, sometimes you live life, you learn lessons. Every justice should report. Uh, we can create a dollar value and make it, whether it's a gift or hospitality or or whatever let's let's over report rather than under report because that makes for a more confident uh, exactly I, we i think all three of us completely agree report it all income sources investments gifts whatever and let us decide or let you know the house decide if they think there's some kind of an impeachable impropriety going on that's much better than well, I just asked some buddies and they told me I didn't need to report it. And the law until a month ago said I didn't need to report it. So that's all there is to it. That's not really a great way to run an independent judiciary. When we come back on the debate, we'll talk about the events that have taken place surrounding a certain bright blue 
can with a certain picture on it and what that means for America in the culture wars. I'm Andrew Tallman. This is the debate at Newsweek. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the debate at Newsweek, joined today by good friends Mark Davis and Ellis Hennigan. So Bud Light, Dylan Mulvaney, the culture wars, transgender issues, sponsorships, trying to penetrate the advertising market on Instagram or TikTok or wherever the case is. As we all know by now, Dylan Mulvaney, someone who is biologically, anatomically male, but has had some facial reconstructive surgery to look more female and identifies as a woman, went through a 365 days of becoming a woman. And toward the end of that, to celebrate the year, Bud Light sends Dylan some cans of beer with uh, Dylan's picture on it. And then there's a TikTok, and then the uproar ensues. Bud Light has faced some backlash a lot. Then there's backlash against the backlash. Uh, Some say their sales are down. I'm not convinced yet that that's the case. Maybe so. Uh, Mark, do you think they did anything dumb here? Did they do something smart here? What's your take on this? It's probably not. It's not as great as the marketing department thought it was. I think that's clear. But nor is it as suicidal as some of the culture warriors are saying. So let me boil it down 60 seconds and put up the jump ball. Bud Light probably is trying to get younger drinkers, you know, whatever that even means, and uh, and probably thought that being hip and trendy and Lord knows this entire trans thing is is quite the fad among the youngsters these days. So so hey, why not? Might have been the conversation they had around the big mahogany table at Anheuser Busch. They have since found out why not. It's because there are millions of Americans who realize that at the root of this, what they thought was an innocuous gesture are some things that we are having very serious battles about. And that is that Dylan Mulvaney is someone who deserves the basics of human dignity. Dylan Mulvaney is a man and that the suggestion otherwise is, is, is anti-science, anti-God, anti-truth. And there are those, especially in this era when we have an entire country full of people who say if my 11-year-old son thinks he's a girl, that's fantastic. It makes it no longer the innocuous thing. I mean, look, look at drag shows. Five, 10 years ago, drag shows, drag shows were what a bunch of straight people went to to get drunk and watch guys parading around in dresses. Now, with the very concept of gender under attack, there is stigma to that as well. We are in the midst of a necessary battle over the meaning of gender, the erosion of the meaning of man and woman. And that's why Bud Light's little uh, campaign backfired mightily. Ellis? 
Um, social change always causes anxiety for some people, doesn't it? Mm, mm. You know, we can whatever pick pick your social change, right? Racial integration, uh, interracial Which marriage. Which is good. The rise of gay people, working women. Pick, pick pick whatever social change you want. There is always a group of reactionary folks who are set into uh, to the throes of anxiety, and we are in one right now. And it seems to me the principles are pretty clear. I don't care who people want to love. I, in fact, I'm for love. I want the people to, 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 to love whoever they want, be who they want to be, and express their true selves. And um, the vast majority of hostile responses to that, I would say, um, it's somewhere between bigotry and prejudice. Now, now. I don't I know what you're going to do? You're going to say, "Well, I'm for pedophilia." No, 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 no. Of course not. No, no, no. That, that's who's going to say that in this crowd? Come on, Alice. Come on. Well, because <laughs> that is neither of us is going to say that. Don't straw man like that. You're better than the, that. The, the, I say, well, but there's a there's a there's a quick jump whenever this topic comes up, and I, I do. I, I, I want to make. I'm not suggesting either of you, but 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 I you know. You, know, you guys watch cable TV sometimes. You know how quickly the not if I don't have to evolves into that. Um, but it's, so it seems to me like, what's the big deal? I mean, and as a push puts whoever they want on the can, some people like it, some people don't like it. They, they have succeeded Mark to the extent that here we are talking about a beer can and a, on an erudite de, uh, debate uh, show, which is probably, uh, of some benefit to, to, to somebody, but, uh, my goodness, uh, we are uh, wrapped up in some silly conversation right now on this topic, aren't we? Here's why, here's, here's why it's not silly. Uh, there are gay people listening right now who would say, please do not compare our struggle to the trans mania that says men are not men. Please do not, uh, conflate falsely. The, the honor of, of the civil rights movement with the movement afoot right now to suggest that manhood and womanhood are meaningless. None of this Dylan Mulvaney thing, none of it is about gayness. It is about the very nature of what manhood and womanhood mean. The people stepping into the fray, stepping into the debate to say that, that these are social constructs, that sex is assigned at birth. This is scientifically wrong. It is societal poison. It is destroying the lives of children. So if we can stay focused on that, that's why the Bud Light thing is problematic. It seems to me like the reaction over the Bud Light is missing the more interesting question in this case. Because Bud Light is a brand. It's a beer. And they make decisions about who they think is going to like their product, which, you know, I don't drink their product not because I care about their advertising strategy, but because I like good beer. So, you know, that's why I don't drink their beer. Um, I might drink their better products, but not this one in particular. So I shop on the basis of taste, right, and cost and those kinds of factors. But they've made a decision, as they've been making for years, that we're going to go for a certain kind of cool factor. It used to be Spuds McKenzie. Then it was, you know, Cedric the Entertainer. And then it was whatever it's been on the Super Bowl. And now it's Dylan Mulvaney. That's one thing. But the other products that have come up in this context that I think are far more fascinating are the Nike where they've got sports bras for women and sports leggings for women that Dylan Mulvaney is representing. And of all things, Tampax for somebody who is a biological man to be representing, endorsing, receiving PR packages, whatever the exact level of participation it has been a little bit murky to me. 
That's amazing to me because historically, for example, women's sports, we create a separate place where women can be women and succeed as women and are protected from the harmful effects of competing against men. Great. Now the sponsor for women's sports products is going to be a biological man. That's bizarre to me. That's the story, not the Bud Light story. Ellis? My goodness, Andrew, why on earth do you care about any of this stuff? I mean, none of it has anything to do with you. I mean, you can you can use the product, not use the product, drink the beer, not drink the beer. I do agree with you on one thing. The, the, the Bud Light has so many more problems than this. I mean, it causes alcoholism. You know, it makes you fat. I mean, there's all kinds of things. Well, not Bud are, Light. I mean, you know. <laughs> right. It's, 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 it's Budweiser, maybe. Right. right. Exactly. I mean, there, there are any number of things one could criticize Budweiser or Anheuser Busch for that, 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 that don't have to do with whose picture is on the can. I promise you this. But but seriously, here's what I don't get: why people take this as such a threat? I mean, my goodness, you know, live I your life, you. love who you want, dress in whatever clothes you want. It is true, Mark. The technology has advanced, and we all need to come to grips with some aspects of that. We had to get used to the cell phones and to the Internet. And, and you know what? One of technology's other advances is that it can play around with your gender to some extent. Now, now you can argue, is it 100 percent? Is it only 50 percent? If you if you get the genitals but not the boobies, is that enough? I mean, I don't take a position on any of that stuff. But you do have to come to grips with the idea that there are things that are possible today because of the miracles of science and medicine and technology that do change our understanding of some of these things. Some of these, some of these old categories, Mark, are a little more fluid than they once were. And I understand why that's uncomfortable for people because it's, it's new, it's different. It kind of gives you the willies in, in, in some cases, but I do think it's incumbent on all of us to have an open mind about it, not to condemn people who have attitudes that are different from our own. And you know what? To be kind, not to allow this bullying, prejudice, ignorance stuff to to overrun our politics. Let's be kind. How about that idea? I think the ultimate kindness is to guide people prayerfully and professionally back to the truth of what they are. The notion that it is kindness to allow a 14-year-old girl to have her breasts ripped off because she thinks she is a boy, the notion that that is kindness is perverse on its face. The reason this is important, and if anybody's mystified uh, as to why this is important, is that this is not just a drag show. It's not just transvestitism. It's not, it is, and again, it has nothing to do with being gay. It has to do with an attack on what the very nature of humanity is. Manhood is manhood. Womanhood is womanhood. We're going to have tomboys. Uh, We are going to have effeminate uh, boys. You know what the gay community's big gripe with this is? And I I stand with the gay community. One of the recent Bill Maher guests said, the reason this drives gay men crazy is they're taking all these boys who are kind of effeminate, having a tough time navigating boyhood, and, it, and these are kids who otherwise would just wind up being gay men. Instead, we're telling them that they are women. What kind of craziness is this? It is craziness. It is folly and disorder of the highest measure. And that is why people care. Yeah, I was having a really interesting conversation with a, uh, a friend of mine who's a lesbian. And she said, when I was young, exactly this point, when I was young, I was a tomboy. And basically, my family was fairly affirming to me as I was, and I kind of discovered that I had this affection for women, and nobody ever even remotely considered the idea that what I ought to have is some kind of gender change, identity, surgery, hormonal therapy. To some degree, not all of that was available, but you know that notion that she was somehow really uh, a boy in a girl's body 
that was never foisted upon her. These days, her concern is that's exactly what we're telling these people who um, might not fit in the traditional categories very well is there's something deeply wrong with your body that can be fixed and we're going to fix it for you in a fairly permanent way that I agree with Mark. That's a concern. Ellis, you guys have this, this notion of foisting that I would suggest is wildly exaggerated. The notion that there is some hugely powerful and oppressive campaign uh, messing with the, with the gender identities of the, of the children of America is, is, is frankly a, a, a little paranoid. Let me, let, let, let me, let me say this about that. Um, these are complex issues. Contrary to what you might have seen on cable television, these are indeed gender identity, sexual preference. That's a, this, is a, this is a very complicated issue. I agree. And I very are, much agree, by the way. There are people in our society who have expertise in dealing with these issues. They're not perfect, but, but we psychologists and doctors and, and, and clergy people and family counselors who can guide young people and their families in navigating these highly complex issues. Let me tell you who is the absolute worst person to do that are the members of the legislatures of the 50 states of America. They are completely unqualified. They tend to uh, be be simplistic and overbearing and bullish and, and, and frankly, often prejudiced and dumb about these issues. And so, so the notion that this ought to be an, an issue that is resolved in the political sphere, particularly by the state legislatures of America and the governors of America, is I hope the three of us can agree that that's the worst, dumbest people to resolving these issues. And we ought to leave it to the people who are trained and educated and sensitive enough to deal with what really is a, a, a tough issue for some people. God help us if we do that. And how convenient it is to say that it should not be up to our political system to determine what the laws should be on such a complex thing. How convenient to say, hey, no legislators. Laws. No, 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 exactly. No let's, law. You want Bubba in the legislature to decide this? I want the good Bubba? men and women. I want the good men and women of America who serve in legislative bodies to step in sometimes and say not just no, but hell no, when ill-guided parents, doctors, and so-called experts say that it's okay to chemically castrate a high school boy. That is a no. That is a universal no. It used to be a no. Some progress is not progress. So yes, I not just request, but demand clarity of legislators in bringing this nightmare to a halt. Yeah. I'm not sure you, you could say that, Mark, if you'd have a visitor to legislature. These are the these are the dumbest, most group. Oh, come on, Ellis. Everybody out there running things can't be an idiot. Dope. I mean, why you call him a Bubba? I know Bubba's who are very smart. <laughs> you know, there's listen, it is a terrible trend and it doesn't it doesn't stop with this. But taking complex moral issues that really I mean, it so surprises me to hear you conservatives talking like this. I would think that you would want this to stay in the family and in the and in the church and with with the expert guidance that the actual individual Americans who are dealing with this seek, not the oppressive power of the state bringing its lowest common denominator attitudes into individual American families and thinking they know better than the children, the parents, their spiritual advisors and their well, psychological experts. Well, one one place I you, think we, I this is choose, this I don't is, want Bubba doing But we've, we've shifted a little bit now to talking about the issue of parental rights and obviously minors is what we're talking about when it comes to allowing or restricting the use of hormonal therapy 
or interventionist surgeries for minors. That's the issue in Florida that we're dealing with right now. It's a bill that we're advancing, and lots of other places are as well. Here's where I agree with you, Ellis, and I know Mark will agree with, I assume Mark will agree with this as well. Parental rights only mean something if it means you're going to allow, tolerate behaviors and choices by parents that you cannot stand. If it doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean anything. But that doesn't mean that you have to let parents you disagree with do anything at all with their children. There's got to be limits, even as there's got to be respect for differences, right? Well, I mean, anything at all. is. A, but I don't think they should be able to chop yeah, the fingers it. off of it. Well, but that's, I mean, that's, that's the that's point we're talking about thing. surgeries where things are being removed. For minors. First, first of all, I don't. These are these are the such a rare, narrow. They, they are narrow. They are narrow cases. These are you all are taking. And by the way, I, I hope I hope what you did suggest a moment ago, Andrew, you're going to stick with. You, you don't want to get involved in telling any adults what they should do. I, I hope we all agree on that. No, I'm, no I'm, I, 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 I have an opinion, but it's not my call to make. That's exactly right. right. Thank you. Mark, do you agree with that? It is. I'm a live and let live person, and I'm Good. a big believer. And I'm a big believer in adults doing what they wish. It is my belief that any adult engaging in this mythology is is poisoning his or her own life. And I would spread widely that view and hope that that view is welcomed in the culture. But yes, my my thought about law involves minors. So somebody in the end has got to decide, right? I mean, these are, right. we agree these are complex moral dis- issues that are different from person to person and place to place. So somebody's got to decide, right, in the end. Apparently, I'm not going to be able to convince you all, but it seems to me to be plainly obvious that if someone has to decide, it should not be the members of the legislature. It ought to be the people who are trained, have expertise, the families themselves, those who are directly affected, and government stay out of my business. Well, but sometimes, but sometimes, is, what if somebody's business is to give pot to their thirteen-year-old? And I know that's not apples and apples, but that's an example that I offer of something where Ellis or anybody would say, "No, we need to have laws that say, parents, you're not going to do that." There's a list of things we tell parents they cannot do. Yanking the breasts off their teenage girls should be on that list. Chemically castrating their adolescent boys should be on that list. This is how many of those do you think happen every year? The ones that there'll happen are the more, ones that matter. How many? That's how that's many the issue. More. Let's say it's three. Next year it'll be ten, and the year after that it'll be five thousand. Because oh. this is a crazy fad. A thousand kids who think they're trans are just gender confused. And if we do, and this is, and I don't think it's cagey for you because I, I, I view intellectual honesty from you, Ellis, but a ton of people who are saying, hey, let's have government stay out of it. They just want the status quo to prevail where crazy experts and crazy parents allow this horror to happen. And some people have to rise up and say no. What are, the, what are the complex moral decisions should we invite the legislature into? Should, should they decide what religion we practice? Should they decide uh, what political view? I mean, come on. You well, and, and to take people. and you Ellis, to take your point and, and fairly so to deliver a pizza to your house. We, we allow religious decisions to guide things like, for example, whether to refrain from allowing blood transfusions in the case of a child that's been seriously injured. We allow tremendous latitude. And I, I agree with you. We ought to allow tremendous latitude for what parents do with to and for their children but that latitude is broad it's not infinite that's my concern uh we're gonna switch gears a little bit when we come back i'm actually concerned this might be too easy for us to handle but we'll talk about it the decision to expel some tennessee legislators based on their participation in a protest about guns on the debate
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the debate. We've got Ellis Hennigan and Mark Davis with us. And as you well know, Tennessee, the legislators there, there was uh, there were three of them that participated in a uh, anti-gun kind of protest or a call for action on guns. And they did so on the floor of the uh, House of the legislature there. And this is following the Nashville shooting. And then the Republicans, they were all Democrats, uh, two young black Democrats and one older white woman Democrat um, males. They were males. And then the legislature led by the Republicans made a decision to expel them from the legislature. As of the time we're recording this, one of the Justins has been now been returned to the legislature by the Nashville City Council, and one is probably about to be returned there by the Memphis uh, Shelby County kind of council. The woman, of course, was not removed, which is its own very interesting thing. Um, Alice, let's start with you. Uh, what did you think of the decision by the Republicans to send away <laughs> a couple of troublesome black young legislators because they were a little rowdy on the floor of the house. You can see where my lean is on this. <laughs> a little rowdy. <laughs> these, are, these are just the kind of people you want to have making the most complex moral decisions in our lives, right? The geniuses who handled this in the Tennessee legislature. Um, you know, it, it is not my job to look into anyone's heart and call them uh, any, any bad names. But I would say that we can all agree this one didn't really bounce too well when it uh, <laughs> we, we arrived in the light of day. Can't we? That, that if you if you evicted from the legislature anyone who spoke out of turn ever, there would be no big fat butts sitting in the chairs of the Tennessee legislature in Nashville. Mark, your thoughts? No, here, here's the thing. I, as I did to the Clarence Thomas thing, let me try to boil it into a vacuum and then add the events as they actually are. It is either reasonable or unreasonable to expel a legislator for wildly disrupting a day with bullhorns at the front of the room. Um, the only other option, I guess, was censure, which usually elicits laughter. So there was a desire to do something bolder, and they did. I didn't mind it. I added my own consistency question. If conservative, pro-life, pro-strong borders, pro-anything I believe in, I had done something similarly disruptive and gotten bounced on their butts, would I mind? Would I cry foul? And I'd say, listen, guys, you, you took your stand. You broke your rules. You, you took your chances. And uh, so that that's what I offer as consistency. Now, that having been said, uh, it, it seemed heavy handed and you can't like the optics, uh, the optics of the two black guys getting expelled while the white lady survived. But she didn't have a bullhorn. So there's a way for this to pass a certain type of muster. But then you add in, let me usher in what's happened since or what Andrew, you were just talking about. 
Whether we like or don't like the notion of expulsion, how bizarre and toothless is it when the folks back home can reinstall you in 48 hours? They need to fix that in Tennessee, whether we like or dislike uh, what these guys were thrown out. And by the way, I just refreshed my browser to check. And again, as we're talking, the Board of Commissioners in Shelby County have voted to reinstate Justin Pearson, the uh, the second Justin to his position, which is 100 percent what we all expected was going to happen in this case. Um, yeah. So my, my reaction was kind of I'm sympathetic to the claim that this was disruptive, but I can't get anywhere close to expulsion. Uh, censure, committee stripping, although one of them didn't even have any committees assigned yet. He was so new to the legislature, I guess. Um, some other way to handle this, because this was this was not just um, stupid. It was incredibly counterproductive to the image, the authority, the respectability, the trust in the GOP in the Tennessee legislature. I completely agree with Ellis. They were idiots for doing this. Because it's, yeah, you're, it's, you're you giving them all the power and you're saying, look at us. We look like a bunch of racists. I mean, we're not really racist, but we sure do look like it in this case. Yeah, and you know what? It, it, it's entirely predictable. And, and here's here's what you have these super majorities that are, that are created by by a super aggressive gerrymandering, which the uh, Supreme Court that you all were defending so enthusiastically seems to be completely fine with. You can have the craziest, most unfair districts imaginable, and it's OK today. Hey, can, can I pause you? Can I can I pause you, Ellis, and say I don't like the gerrymandering of districts either. I see it in my own home state of Florida, where we used to be blue, red, split even. But the legislature was, you know, 60, 40, then 70, 30, and now 75, 25. I don't like that either. I think that's bad for democracy. Just so you know, I'm on your side on that one, one. But go the, ahead. One of the results of that, and there are many. There are many bad results, including all that uh, bully the bully the trans kids legislation. But but one of the bad results is that the people who are in those super majority, super extreme legislatures. They don't have the common sense to understand that not everybody looks at the world through the same jaundiced eyes that they do. And so they, they're taken by surprise when something they think of as perfectly normal strikes the civilized world as an abomination. And that's really what happened here. These guys had no idea they were doing anything that was going to make them look like idiots. And yet they were living in that bubble, that gerrymandered bubble that allowed them to rev each other up into a panic. And now they all look like a bunch of dopes. I had somebody call the show uh, when, when we were talking about this, which we did for several days. And they said, Mark, I'll tell you one thing. It, it, it can, we can argue about whether we like it or don't like it. Optics, optics are good. Optics are bad. But I'll tell you what, I bet we're not going to have anybody else acting the fool up front of that house with a bullhorn anymore. And as true as that is, which might lead one to think, well, then maybe it kind of worked and delivered the message. Ellis, without joining him in his uh, excess of prose, has a strong point that this just doesn't come across as looking good. Uh, we can, if it takes two or three minutes to explain that the other alternative was incredibly meek in terms of censure, maybe we need a middle ground. You guys were talking about, you know, being kicked off a committee or two. We need maybe some kind of middle ground. Yeah, time you know, out. Like a, you know, no like participation three, for ninety days or whatever. You know, something. Suspension. It's yeah, exactly right. Because expulsion seemed too harsh. And to have an overwhelming Republic, uh, Republican majority kick out the black guys, if you, as James Carville famously said, if you're explaining, you're losing. And that created an, ex an explanation situation that didn't have to be. Can we also just kind of agree in principle that the fact that they were black, which winds up making the whole thing look stupid, terrible and all the wrong stuff. Can we also agree that if they really both of them happen to be black who did something that 
we would all look at and say, man, they really need to be expelled for that. The fact that they were black shouldn't keep them from being expelled either, right? No, no. And, and the white lady uh, was not expelled. If the white right. lady, if, if Gloria Johnson of Knoxville, if she had a bullhorn, she'd have been kicked out too. Ellis agreed that, you know, black shouldn't be the reason for expulsion. It shouldn't be the reason to keep it. <laughs> I mean, this is obvious, right? Well, of, of, of course it, it should be, but I, I'll leave it to you guys to keep explaining. I, I think that's <laughs> pretty well on there. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> no, I, I no, thought it was, I thought it was terrible. I called it that from the beginning. I thought this was a stupid decision. They way overreacted. And, even if you thought it was a justified choice to make, um, there are sometimes there's the justified choice and then there's the prudent choice. And I'd rather see people be better statesmen than to overreact like this. At least that's my own view. Well, you that, know what, though, just to, to, to tie yeah, go on, Mark. around it, because because while we may differ on the severity of how stupid it was or how crazy it was or how damaging it was. Remember, this is America 2023. You know what else it will be forgotten in a month. I don't know when the Justins are 80 and still in their seats. I don't know if they have term limits <laughs> well, in, by in the legislature. They may, the, they, they may be the two senators from Tennessee. That's it. Yeah, exactly. That's time. that's yeah. exactly right. It's certainly great for them. I mean, if we can tie the it theme around, you know, uh, Bud Light managed to get an awful lot of advertising value. Maybe not all that's good. Uh, the Justins got an awful lot of, you know, political PR and whatever notoriety out of this. And maybe in politics, that's the thing that winds up benefiting them the most. Well, Mark Davis and Ellis Hennigan, always a great conversation. I so cherish the friendship uh, that I have with you guys and your frank conversations. That's it for this edition of The Debate. We'll see you next time with Newsweek. Being a staple in American media for over 90 years, Newsweek now brings you an exceptional lineup of podcasts. The debate. They'll recognize how these policies aren't working. They'll feel the pain and they'll change their behavior. The Josh Hammer Show. Restore the principles and the political paradigms of the American founding. The Crystal Knight Show. Just because officers are black doesn't mean that the policing system still isn't inherently racist. Fast women. Chevy's actually doing really well and Honda's really not. Wow. (laughs) It's like the opposite of most people's perception of them. It is. The Parting Shot. Every year when the new nominations are announced, I get this excited, nostalgic feeling, and it brings out that little kid in me who just loved movies. The Royal Report. Harry and Meghan's head of comms has announced they now move forward to their kind of future outside the royal family. Newsweek Podcasts. New episodes drop weekly. Download or listen now at Newsweek.com or wherever you get your podcasts.